0: Well, hello there, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Mr. Warren Hayes Show. Uh, I am uh, Mr. Warren Hayes, how about that, and uh, we're going to be talking about uh, pro-wrestling. Hmm. Why don't we do that tonight? A nice Thursday, lovely Thursday evening here, you know, June 17th when we're recording live on YouTube.com slash Mr. Warren Hayes. That's right, recorded live, no you know editing trickery no uh, cutting out the good the, the the bad bits and holding on to just the good bits none of that stuff no uh uh running my uh my my video or my uh, through um through a filter to take out all the the like the 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 silences and hesitations none of that this is live baby live what are you gonna do try, You know, you just jump right in and you're like, geez, I hope everything holds together. Hope I hold it together. But yeah, live youtube.com slash mr. Warren Hayes every Thursday night, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 Pacific. I record this uh this global phenomenon. Uh which uh and which is done in front of a live audience of people. Who are here Who join me on Thursday nights To chat Chat wrestling Have a good time Have some fun Like who for instance Robert Larry Good to see you Robert Always here Nice to see you Kelly Tonjes as well Nice to see you Always the early birds in the stream We've got Ben Also known as Phantom Mark in 82 Good to see you sir It's always good to have you around Fifth generation Carney Joseph with it Hello Welcome to the chat as well Good to see you as well Mr. Fritz here too got justin firestein as well peter davies good morning to you peter over on the other side of the atlantic ocean so many a whole bunch of great people joining me live here on uh, youtube.com slash mr warren if you can never make it on a thursday night you get to you get to hang out with a wonderful uh a, a wonderful group so it's a, a, a nice interesting respectful insightful group of people that we have here and uh and that's fantastic so if you ever do have a chance to come along that's great and you know if you don't and you're watching this on demand or you know whenever whenever you can that is really cool as well and i super appreciate it and if you're liking this and you know great way to show some support for the show is to like the video video and give it a thumbs up because youtube likes that kind of stuff in fact Even if you're not watching the video, if you're listening to this on your favorite podcast application, because yes, the Mr. Warren Hayes show is also available in pure audio format. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasters, Spotify, or Stitcher, or any other, show some love there too. That's the kind of thing that really, really ends up helping out the the show a tremendous deal. A ton, I would say. So you if you want to come and do that, that's fantastic. If you just a like or a subscription, a review, those review things also help too. I appreciate it. I appreciate it already. Thank you very much for your for your support so far. So thank you and thank you for being here. Um, hey, there's a pay-per-view this weekend. Hell in a cell. It's a production of World Wrestling Entertainment. So that means I'm going to be having a prediction show this weekend. Saturday morning, 11 a.m. Uh, I'll be joined by Rick Uchino who is uh, from Sportskita. Fantastic guy. Used to have a a, uh, a radio show uh, in, in Cleveland. And he'd have me call in sometimes for some reason to talk about wrestling. I'd, I, he'd actually have me call in to radio like the public airwaves. Uh, that was really cool of him, but he's going to he's going to come over. Uh he's going to come over on Saturday morning and do that. Uh the prediction magic with me, Ricochino. Uh be sure to be there. 11 a.m. uh eastern. What does that make it? Make it 8 pacifica might be a little early for those of you on the West Coast. Uh but hey, if you can make it, that'll be fantastic. This Saturday morning, a hell in a cell predictions. Be interested to talk about that. Also visit bell 2 B-E-L-L-T-O-B-E-L-L-E-S.com. Women's wrestling. Kristen conducted an interview with NXT UK superstar Zaya Brookside earlier this week. That's pretty cool. You should check that out. Zaya's a lovely girl. And Kristen had a good time interviewing her. So you should go check that out bell or follow us on Twitter at bell as well that's also fantastic and you know what I was telling you guys about how we have a great uh we have a great group here in the chat well that spills over into the Mr. Warren Hayes show discord which you can join as well the link is in the description and that continues that just continues and continues on and it's fantastic be the the discussions the the camaraderie. If you haven't joined, you should think about it. Join the Mister Warren Hayes Show uh, Discord today. And there's uh you know I was talking about liking the video and so there's also other ways that you can support the show by leaving a comment. First, by the way, on the uh, on uh, this video, you can do it if you're watching live right now. But as soon as you're watching it on demand, you can leave a comment. And we've been trying to get a streak of 20 comments on the next, on 20 consecutive videos. We're up, we've hit the halfway mark today. We were very close to not hitting the mark, but y'all turned up and you made it happen. We beat the, the, the we, we hit the comment goal of 20 comments on the video. Now we're gonna keep moving, we're, we've got 10 more to go. And I said last week that if I were to, that if we were to hit the halfway goal tonight, I was going to announce what the streak reward is going to be. So I'm ready. I'm ready to announce it. I figured it out. I've come up with something. Here's the deal. I, as a streak reward, I will do a a supplementary video. I will do something else. I will do something else. (laughs) I will, I will cook a full meal. From the Can You Take the Heat WWE cookbook that was released in 2002. I'm gonna get my hands on one of those copies, on a copy of that book. (laughs) I'm gonna and I and and, and I'm gonna figure out, I'm gonna take a look, and I'm going to film myself. I'm gonna record the whole thing, gonna make a full, a full course meal. Appetizers main course dessert like i don't know what's in the book i'm not not going to lie i don't know exactly what we're going to be doing but i'm going to figure it out and i'm going for i'm going for the whole 9 yards and i don't know how much steak sauce how much barbecue sauce i'm going to need to employ here probably more than what i usually put in my cooking but we'll see i'm excited so we'll see what that's what, what that's going to happen so we've only got 10 more episodes to go before we reach uh, before we reach the, the the goal, so then I'll I'll get to cooking. If you can, if you smell what Warren is cooking, which is apropos because that's that's at the time that's when it, the book was released, right? You can also support the Mister Warren Hayes Show by becoming a channel member right here on YouTube.com/slash Mister Warren Hayes, and if you join the channel, not only do you get access to a delightful assortment. Of uh, of uh, of uh, emotes that you can use here in the chat. There's a, a lovely a lovely selection of them that are exclusively for for members. But you can also join me after uh, we're done here with the Mister Warren Hayes show, and I start up a new stream for members only where we talk about wrestling. We continue the conversation, and tonight I am going to be talking about, or we are going to be talking about. It's so not just me. We are going to be talking about King of the Ring. Nine, not 1993, because I was reviewing it recently, so it's still like on the tip of my tongue. King of the Ring. Uh, rumors that it's coming around. Uh, I'm excited to see how that's going to go. Uh, but, uh, but we're going to talk about, you know, how, what would you guys like to see as King of the Ring? Or who you'd like to see as King of the Ring? Who you'd like to see in the tournament, right? You know, it's, it's a whole... It's a whole lovely thing that we're going to be talking about. Getting into the nitty-gritty. I want to hear what you guys would like out of a King of the Ring this year, if the rumors are true. Get, you get those fantasy booking hats on. So there you go. So come on over and join me. Uh, and uh, I, we take a lot of discussion from the chat. There's Discord Collins. It's a good time. It's fun. It's a, It's really a good time. And look, at we've got Vape Ross Vape, who's in the chat. How you doing? Welcome to the chat. He just laid out all the lovely... The lovely emotes that you can have access to if you become a member. I want to also say hello to the streak saver who's here. We saved the streak streak saver. Good to see everyone here tonight. Uh, Oh, and you can also leave a super chat if you want and I will read your question or comment live and on the air. Of course, that's that that's that's par. That's par for the course at this point. So uh, I think we're ready. Let's go right ahead. And start off with the weekly wrestling inspection. Alright. Um, there's a lot. There is a lot of stuff uh going. There, there, a lot of wrestling that happened again this week. I'm gonna start off. Look, I, I think, I think. I cannot not start this uh start this show without talking about the the Utami Hayashishida versus Siri Siri match. The Stardom uh the World of Stardom Championship match that happened on uh, on June 12th, just a, a few days ago, 5 days ago. I think I'd be remiss if I didn't start with this match here. Because look, this is unquestionably one of the best matches you'll watch all year if you decide to take the time to watch it. And you I think you have to. You know, say so sometimes you'll, you know, I'll say, you know, required viewing, you know, it's like that. You gotta go out of your way to see this match. Like, this is this is the kind of match this is Warren Hayes talking about Shingo versus Will Ospreay from a couple of months ago saying you have to you have to construct time out of your day to watch this match you absolutely it, it's one of those it's one of these matches that that is going to stand the test of time it is a classic it's without a doubt one of the greatest women's matches of all time it will rank up there it's one of the best matches that the modern era of wrestling will have produced like there's there's so much there are so there, there there are so many superlatives I could be using right now but this is where we are and, and honestly this is this is Robert Sterling good to see you welcome to the chat like whether you're into joshi wrestling or not because I can I I can understand why or how some people might be a little turned off by Japanese women's wrestling I I I I totally get it I understand that it it might not be for everyone because it's it's a style and it's about and it's about itself. The presentation is very very unique to Joshi as well. So if you can't get over that hump, I can understand that you don't that you're not into it. But I I sincerely believe that Joshi or not, whether you're into it or not, and and whatever this match qualifies as, this is a legendary wrestling match. That you absolutely need to see, because I I'm not a Joshi guy myself, much to the dismay of some of my uh, some of my contemporaries, some of my uh, some of my wrestling pals, JPQ, formerly of the No Particular Angle podcast, right? He's a big, big stardom guy, and he's tried to rope me in multiple times. And it's not that I don't like Joshi. That's not it. It's just. At some point, it's just like so much stuff all the time, and you make choices, and there's only so many hours in a week and whatnot. So it's more, it's more personal preferences. It's not that I don't like it. I, I and I do indulge in Joshi whenever I get the opportunity. When I look at this, imagine I'm like, Jesus Christ! This is absolutely fantastic pacing, story, psychology. It was all there, and not the kind of psychology where it's like. Oh well, he's got it. She's got her in a headlock, and like, really, you're seeing you're seeing that the paths that are being taken to get to uh, to destination to the to the end of the match. It's so good, and as okay. So listen, as a guy who doesn't watch Stardom on a regular basis. This is what I understood just out of watching this match. Okay, Utami didn't know, didn't have the recipe. Let's put it that way, to be to beat her challenger, to beat Siri. Siri was out for blood. She wanted that title. She wanted that title more than anything. She came in focused. She came in ready. She she knew everything she had to do, and. Because of that she was dominant for the better portion of this match. She had the champs on the champ on the ropes for a large percentage of this match. She outclassed the champ. To me. That's why I picked up what did I pick up for what did I pick up from Utami at this she's unstoppable. She's resilient. She's a champion. Who fought tooth and nail for her championship? Not just like and she did everything she could to retain. Now, this match went to a double, a double knockout ultimately. Well, here's the thing: the match, it, outstanding stuff. The match went to. Uh, um, to uh, a time limit draw it went to a draw and then they restart the match and not like oh the referee has decided no it's like they cut promos I don't understand a word they're saying but you can tell the the women are exhausted but Siri is on the mic and she's like you can tell and she's like nah man we are not finished yet I am not done with you these these girls hate each other like they want, they just want to prove who's the better woman here. I'm like, no, we're not done. I don't know who's better. We we can't end this as a draw. They go right out there, uh, back at each other, and they go hard. They're we're like, and what? And I'm talking a time of the draw, like 30 minutes, right? We're going 30 minutes in, and the ladies are just running into each other. They're just wailing on each other, and Siri is using all the submission moves she knows, she has an MMA background on top of that, she she used everything she could to put Utami away, Utami was ready for them, she'd panic when she'd feel Siri grappling to put her into a hole, she'd panic and roll for the ropes, and this is what I mean, when I tell you guys, this is one of these, one of these matches, and it's especially true here, when I tell you guys that If you let talented wrestlers do their thing, they are able to tell you stories in the ring without six minutes of exposition, without stories on how suddenly everything is so personal, you know, and it's a vendetta. and We were childhood friends, now we're bitter rivals, or or, someone stole someone's jacket and that pissed them off. The match told the story. The match was about the goddamn title, the most important thing in your company and i felt like it was the most important thing in the company because these two women just would not stop and it's it's such a basic concept but when you give it time you let talented wrestlers do their thing look at what happens you get the magic you get exact this is exactly what i love about wrestling i came in blind regarding utami and siri knowing who they were simply by name and not understanding the level because i read some stuff after i'm like okay this was a this was a a a, a true to form feud that they had going they really didn't like each other there was a lot of stuff going into this but i didn't care because the match in and about itself was outstanding This was this was absolutely remarkable, and you know, I think I think signing up for star, to start to Stardom for a month to watch it, I think is definitely worth the investment. You can cancel at the end of the month or whatever, but it was such such a good match. This is going to be on lists at the end of the year, and it's going to be high this was so, so good, and here's the thing, do not underestimate the importance this match is going to have for stardom, or should have for stardom, all right, I saw tons of comparisons to Kazuchika Okada and Kitty Omega, and their New Japan feud for the IWGP heavyweight title, and you know, as much as some of the comparisons are a little corny, I'm like, I, I agree. I agree to the level where these those two guys were putting on such high level, world class, um, five, six, seven star matches, whatever you, whatever it is, Uncle Dave gives them. It created attention to the product, to themselves. You can argue that the big North American boom that occurred happened because of this feud. There were new eyes, new eyeballs, tuning in, watching the product. If you don't think at this point that the the next Utami-Siyuri match isn't going to draw eyeballs, a you're wrong (laughs) there's no way uh, there's no other way to put it i don't you know i don't like telling you guys what you should or should not think but in this case you know if you if you think that their next match is not going to generate buckets of attention you are absolutely wrong now the thing here is that you okay so you have your big money match you're going to have another utami siuri match the, the what's left in stardom's hand is what do you deliver then to create more engagement from this new audience into your product the ball is entirely in stardom's court at this point whether or not they use this to propel the brand further make use of the new eyeballs that are going to be checking this out because Because everyone is going to be talking about it. Everyone's going to be excited about this, their rematch. What will stardom do to captivate them? This is going to be the trick. That's going to be the thing. I am really stoked to see what's going to happen. Because they're going to have to... My point is, is that they're going to have to elevate more stuff from the mid card, the upper mid card, the lower card... They're going to have to create situations that not have that caliber style match throughout the entire card. That'd just be exhausting and impossible. But what will they create on the rest of the card to create a full experience, to create a product where someone will tune in to watch this match, watch the rest of the card and says, damn, all this is great. Look at this character here. She's compelling. She's cool. Man, that was a great match. That was fun. You know? So it's in, the ball is in stardom's hand at this point because I think they, right now, they have, they have a, uh, they have, G, they have <laughs> magic in a bottle right now. There, That's the expression I was looking for. They have magic in a bottle right now. And they can, they can entirely flub it or they can make it work. And that's entirely up to them at this point. But look, check out the match, it's, it's absolutely worth it, and I swear, I swear, absolutely swear to you, even if you're not into Joshi, even if you've never watched a lick of stardom in your life, you will find something in this match that you will enjoy, that is, unless, you know, you're completely into Otis matches, you're like Otis oh, is the peak for you. <laughs> well, then I'm like, well, never mind then. You know, it's like if you if you need fat guys jiggling in your be- their bellies for you to, to to enjoy wrestling, which is fine. I'm not I'm not shaming what you're liking. But what I will say is you won't find any enjoyment in this match here. But for the rest of us, it's fantastic. It's really, really, really great. um let's talk about uh let's talk about nxt takeover is that what we should do yeah we should talk about nxt takeover at this point takeover in your house 2021 what an extremely lukewarm show that was don't you think did you guys watch it? That was, um, uh, that was the equivalent. <laughs> you know what? It is literally the equivalent of Hulk Hogan going into the Dungeon of Doom for the first time and seeing that running waterfall and putting his hand under, uh, and putting his hand under the, the water and going, ah, it's not hot. It's exactly what it is. This, is, this is, That's what that show was. And here's the thing. Okay, well. I, uh, let me break this down just a little bit. We're going to go match by match. Bronson Reed, the North American champion, and MSK, the tag team t- champions, uh, defeated Legado del Fantasma uh, in a winner-takes-all-six-man tag team match, which was STUPID! I didn't like the gimmick here; that was dumb, and I thought it telegraphed the it, it telegraphed the the winner. Like I, I, like I'm like, there's no way they're doing this. And the thing here, but from when everything that happened during this match, the one thing that we have to, I think we can all agree on, is that Legado, uh, Legado del Fantasma, uh, Wack and Wild. Raul Mendoza uh, are fantastic as a tag team, and they really are. MSK, I think they do fantastic work. I think I prefer their I prefer their NXT work to what they were doing in Impact. I think they're great, and these are fantastic tag teams. But there were extra parts to this match that didn't quite connect, and I don't know it. Brrr it didn't work for me it, it it was fine it was well worked like nothing was bad or sloppy i'm going to get back to the, uh, this in to this in a second here give me a couple more Lee defeated mercedes martinez in his singles but this was rushed this felt rushed felt like they didn't have didn't give it the time i don't know if it's they were trying to cover for some something bec- related to zaili and then we get the post match where zombie chinese lady is going to be challenging mercedes martinez tian sha she's apparently going to be challenging mercedes martinez and uh and you know what here's the thing it's like if if i were tian sha and i saw mercedes martinez lose to my lackey i'd be like yeah I'll, I'll fight her you know like what's and mercedes is like mercedes Mercedes shouldn't be you know involved in spooky shit I don't know if she's I don't know if she's being punished for the retribution stuff like she's still better off honestly let's be honest with each other here gals and guys uh Mercedes Martinez is better off losing an NXT than being on main and having been a part of the retribution thing because Outside of Mason Tabar, where's Slabjack? And more importantly, where the fuck is Mia Yim? This was, it wasn't good. It wasn't a good match and it breaks my heart to say it because Mercedes Martinez is one of my favorite wrestlers. So so that's lame. Tim Traver, good to see you. Welcome to the chat. And LJ, good to see you as well. That deserves a sip of delicious, delicious root beer. Which, look, I give me a second here. This is not an endorsement. It's just a a a a, a, a few few years ago, I found this fantastic mug of Hires root beer. I don't know if any of you are old enough to remember Hires root beer. But I found this great glass mug, and I and I keep it per, at this time of year. I, I I found it a few weeks ago. I yeah after my. I, once I had moved, there was you know things get lost and moved sometimes, and then some, and then at some point you open something up and says, "Hey, so I've been keeping it in my my freezer." Then you pour your root beer in here. <sighs> I want everyone to mark out on my mug, or else y- y'all y'all to get banned. LA Knight defeated Cameron Grimes in a ladder match for the vacant million dollar championship. Listen. I'm going to we got to get this the, the stu- okay. The Twitter bubble, the wrestling bubble is a beautiful beautiful bubble. It has a wonderful membrane. Uh, it's uh you know, it's nice and cozy and but sometimes the stupidest discussions do occur, and the comparison, and I, and I no, but it's not. a okay, not, I, the comparison between the million dollar title and the the discussion around. Well, you know what? The FTW title over at AEW wasn't really de- defended, you know, and uh, so the, the million dollar title was never really defended. So, but AEW has it. Hang on. This is where context gets completely lost. And you have to forget the AEW stuff. You have to forget the tribalism for a second. The million dollar title was conceived by Ted DiBiase as a vanity title because he was not able to win a championship off of Hulk Hogan. So he was like, you know what? I'm the million dollar man, I can make my own title and it'll be the most luxurious title you ever seen. It's going to be in gold and diamonds and that's all you're going to see. And then he creates that and he defends it once against Virgil within a storyline. Then what happens to it? fucking repo man steals it from Virgil. There's no real lineage to the title because it's never been recognized as a title. Now, As for the FTW title, I'm gonna ask some of you younger kids to trust me when I tell you that Taz did pretty much the same type of gimmick back in ECW. But him, it's not because he wasn't a badass. It's not because he couldn't win a world championship. It's because ECW was refusing to to put him in world title matches. It was like, well, fine. I'm gonna create my own title, which he did, which he defended, which he lost, which he won back a couple of times as well. There's a lineage to the title because it was recognized. So when he brought it back into AEW, it was just perfect because that's exactly what Taz is. Taz comes in, he's like, this is my title. This is a title. And it's my, it's a way of life. It's more than a title. It's a way of life. And he puts it on Brian Cage. And Brian Cage def- defended the title. He's defended it three times. Three separate occasions. So we're talking about apples and oranges. You have one title which is actually a title and the other one is not. It's a piece of hardware. It's a gimmick for heat. That's what it is. C- cut the comparisons. Re- you just go on. Cage match is your friend. Go check out the lineage of a title. From there, you can search for titles. You'll find the FTW title. You'll even find out that FTW doesn't stand for doesn't stand for for the win. <laughs> That's not what it stands for. And if you look for the million dollar title, you know what's going to turn up there. You know what's going. You know what you're going to find when you search for a million dollar title. Nothing, because it's not a title. So. I was not expecting to, to rant on that. Especially considering the match. Um, it was better than I expected. Um it was better than I expected, but Cameron Grimes, man, he he worked his ass off in this match. He did everything here. He did he hit the spots, he he, he carried it. There's just no other way to put it. It was his show. This was his part of the show, and he was good. I like it. And I I'm and I'm not gonna lie here. I love, 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 love the idea that they waited to the very end stretch of the of the match, really within the final third, before they started climbing the ladder to grab the briefcase. As opposed to doing it within the next few minutes and then and, and then do you know what then they start climbing and then they wait because the other guy's not ready. They're like, ah, uh, oh, it's just at my fingertips. I was unable to properly evaluate. I have problems with depth perception. I thought I could reach it from this rung here, but clearly I cannot for simply my tip, my fingertips are touching the briefcase. Oh, if I had a better understanding of how long my arms were, me, grown man in my late 20s, early 30s, if I had a proper understanding of the the length of my limbs, perhaps then I could have climbed up on an, extra, on an extra rung to reach the briefcase. Here, let me do it now. And by the time he does it, then the other guy comes and pulls him off, right? At least, at least they did that towards the end of the match. And I thought that was refreshing. I thought that was good. But it was otherwise a very, very there match. It was just there. Raquel Gonzalez defeated Ember Moon to retain her NXT Women's Championship. This was slow-paced. And I'm sorry to say, and as much as I like Raquel, I've always liked Raquel, as much as I think that uh, that she is destined for really strong stuff, that she she has a great future ahead of her uh i don't think i don't think she she i said it when she won the title i'm not sure that she's ready for the spot don't think she's ready for the for the for for being put in main event situations where she has to carry her own and i think she showed it again at takeover she's good like, but not like this. And Ember did whatever she could. Ember's fantastic. If anything, this match reminded me at how fantastic a singles wrestler Ember Moon is. She's got everything. She's got the she's got the charisma, she's got uh the ring presence, the moves, like she's super talented, right? But this is this wasn't it. This wasn't it. And it was fine. I mean, again, it's just fine. It's nothing egregious about it, but again, it's fine. And I'm watching a takeover. I'm not supposed to get fine matches. I'm supposed to get the matches that are going to blow my mind. And then we get to the main event. And before we do, I want to say hello to Mr. Fantastic. Good to see you. The Snowman and Darkman060. I <laughs> feel. I feel like I just gave out code for something. <laughs> Welcome everyone to the chat. Main event, Karrion Cross retained the NXT Championship by defeating Kyle O'Reilly, Adam Cole, Johnny Gargano, Pete Dunne. Now, as you may have noticed throughout this entire takeover, I was saying, you know, this was fine. It was fine. It was fine. Nothing great the problem that NXT has, and this is wild, but the problem that NXT has is creating an emotional connection with its audience. This was never a problem with NXT. It was the easiest place to create a connection with the audience because Full Sail were so into it, first and foremost. It's such a fantastic place to watch wrestling. And all you got was wrestling. It was just so. You were really into it. Now, there's this divide that exists. You're not emotionally invested into these people. That's why, you know, Bronson Reed and MSK and Legado Del Fantasma, all fantastic wrestlers, but okay. Like there's no, you know, the match happened. Same thing with and 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 Mercedes Martinez the same thing you're like okay it's so weird and then you get to this match and I think this match is the epitome of exactly that I think it's the epitome of what I'm trying to say you get Karrion Cross. excuse me you get Kyle O'Reilly Adam Cole Johnny Gargano and Pete Dunne in a match together they're in the same match they're fighting each other and people the reaction is "Mm. you book this match in what 2012 2013 you put this on a on a ring of honor card on a PWG card People are going nuts. Are you kidding? Why weren't we having meltdowns at the idea of having Gargano, O'Reilly, Cole, and Dunn in the same match? Are you nuts? Like, this was this was the best match of the night, but it wasn't one of these blow-away, blow, blow away, extraordinary uh, uh, takeover matches where you're, you're going to remember and there's going to be stories told about this match. Like, in 10 years, they're going to be doing WWE 24 is about this like there there's just nothing and it's to me that's that is the ultimate proof that the connection isn't there if you put those guys in a match together and no one no one's losing their minds no one's like jesus how great is this And I didn't, look, the match was, the the match, like I said, the best one of the night. Doesn't mean I, I particularly liked it because I don't like multi-man championships. I don't like triple threats five ways even less. Because this is the, you, know, you have, you, you have, you know, two guys in the same, t- at the same time in the ring while the three others are on the outside recuperating, right? This is why I don't like it. I don't like these main events. Too many people in a, if if this was a regular one on one match, they wouldn't be outside the ring for ninety seconds doing nothing, recuperating. They'd be fighting. And and Killer Cross is being booked exactly like a big guy, a big WWE guy. He tosses dudes around, tosses them outside of the ring, uh, and then but then at some point they gang up on him, toss him out, and then he rests. And then eventually comes back and tosses the dudes out again and then gets ganged up on until he comes back in for the big win. And and, and saw a lot of people saying, oh, no, everyone hates K- Karrion Cross. Your fans are, are fickle. I don't think that's the point. The point is that I don't think Karrion Cross belongs on NXT. I think he's a main roster guy through and through. This is a guy you put straight into... Uh, on to raw you put him straight on raw and you build him that way and he'll get over there but nxt isn't in is, is in an identity crisis ever since the move to usa and it's become worse since they stopped filming in front of a live audience it really has so i mean that was a thing oh i'd like to welcome kristen ashley the first lady of the Mister Warren Hayes show. Yeah, welcome. Now, if we if we go from Sunday and we move on to Tuesday, this Tuesday's NXT, Tuesday's NXT ruled. It was a really good show. It was it was a it was an NXT uh, a Tuesday night NXT that I enjoyed a lot more than. Than uh, a lot of other NXT's that I've watched recently Like I don't remember enjoying one that much And there were some really good things here Samoa Joe returning I think Look Samoa Joe being fired then returning Like you know Clearly this is something where they're like Look you're being overpaid We're gonna fire you Cut your contract But we'll rehire you with, with a new contract Lower You know that was probably it That's what I'm thinking you know, they just wanted him back for less money. Here you go. Is he going to wrestle? Is he not? Well, you know, the idea is that he might not be cleared to wrestle, right? Speculation for a little more down the road. Let's, I want to see how his role as GM sort of grows and stuff. Because they did tease a lot of him getting physical with it. He actually didn't. Like he choked out Adam Cole. But we know Samoa Joe is a, fantastic promo guy and he's an intimidating guy i think as a gm he can bring a lot and something a very different type of energy than william regal and fuck you william regal for coming out crying and working me like that working my emotions regal (laughs) uh and there were lots of little things on the show like imperium versus brisango the first match clean finish which was turning into a problem on nxt clean finish post-match beatdown for the heels to get their heat back this is that's what you do it's that simple and i was like pop that's fantastic shit then we get kushida versus trey baxter the wrestler formerly known as blake christian and that was quite good I enjoyed that match a bit, quite a bit, and this was uh, I, I want to call him Blake Christian, uh, uh, Trey Baxter's first match back on TV since uh, since March when he wrestled uh, on New Japan Strong. Uh, Baxter, look, I really like, I really really like this match. Baxter did a great dive on Kushida at some point, a handspring kick, Spanish fly, a four fifty. But the thing here, <laughs> Nevin's gonna like this. And the thing here is that, but Kushida was letting the new guy get all this offense on him. Wait, like Kushida's a, he's a star. What What are they, he's a champion and he's letting this new guy get all this offense on him? Kushida's career is dead, officially. He killed his career, they killed Kushida's career by letting the new kid get all this offense on, Dead kaput kushida kushida is hitting the bricks just like kenny omega and john moxley they all got their careers killed by these new up-and-comers buried they're dead no longer credible <laughs> kushida ends the match with a flying armbar into the hoverboard honestly i thought it was a little too short i thought the guys were they started to find their groove, and it was really getting good. I would have taken not not another 10, 15 minutes, just a three to four extra minutes. Like, a, just a, a little more on this final third that they were giving us. But this was fun. This was a lot of fun. And you know what? They WWE were letting Blake Christian wrestle like Blake Christian. And that's something that we I'm going to keep an eye on moving forward. Um, and then, look, quite honestly... Thatcher and Ciampa versus the Grizzled Young, uh, Grizzled Young Veterans was amazing. It was such a good, good main event. It ruled Tornado Tag Match. Started off hot and brutal. It never let up. I had a markout moment when Thatcher and Gibson started grappling with each other towards the latter third of the match. Gibson is such a great... Because the thing here is that Gibson is a great submission wrestler, and that doesn't get put over enough. But that that, that was part of his thing. That's always been part of his... That was always part of his uh, of his makeup. The it, it was fantastic. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. Champa goes uh, on one of these roles where he's just kneeing and striking both uh, Drake and Gibson, and then dumps them into onto chairs. Then hip attacks them, and then that great segment segments moment where Thatcher and 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 Champa are both running hitting corner strikes on both of the Grizzled Young Veteran guys, you know, one on each corner, like one after the other, which reminds me, production, though, on this match was abysmal. They completely avoided showing off a a spot between Drake and Ciampa on the floor. James Drake, uh, not, you know, not, not the rap musician. James Drake and Chompa on the floor. And during the running stuff that I just talked about, Cameron was always on the one guy who's not hitting who's not hitting the other guy. So while Ciampa was hitting a guy off-screen, you saw Thatcher running towards the other guy. And then they'd switch the Chompa before Thatcher would hit the other guys. I'm like, what the fuck are we doing here? was an air raid crash from the second rope doomsday suicide dive from the grizzled young veterans on chompa onto the floor strong brutal physical Champa looked alive in this match this partnership with thatcher is working and it's working for thatcher as well gsv are good and i'm thrilled that they're getting the chance to show how good they are on nxt as opposed to nxt uk which no one really looks. So, so this is the wild thing is then from Sunday to Tuesday, you get into Tuesday and Tuesday you get a really good edition of NXT. And you're like, man, this, this main event was a takeover match. This was better than anything. This was better than anything that was on takeover. Kushida versus uh, Blake Christian could have ended up on, on the, on the undercard on takeover. And it would have been fantastic as well. Jesus, that was re- I really liked. I really liked NXT this week. Cross my fingers that they're on, on an upswing. And they, you know, they set up a bunch of stuff. Like, there's a lot of nonsense that could be cut down on. There really is. But you know, they did set up. They did set up. Uh, uh, Yoshi teaming with Zoe Stark to take on, uh, Candice LeRae and Indy Hartwell, which. I think is going to be a lot of fun. And a lot of stuff, it turns out that a lot of matches, upcoming matches are going to, were set up at TakeOver. So like TakeOver was like a transition match, probably to the Great American Bash stuff, which by the way, I am super excited that they're continuing to do these Supercard things because I've said it once, I've said it a million times. One of the greatest things to come out of the the Wednesday Night Wars was the return of the Supercard. So I am 100% for uh NXT doing that and it, I, you know it might just end up this supercard might actually be uh, end up being better than the last takeover. Anyway, Tuesday was a good show. It really was. It was it, it was a good solid NXT. Sure it has its it's a lot of nonsense, but there was a lot to like on it. I want to talk about the Kizuna Road gauntlets that our New Japan Pro Wrestling Young Lions are going through started this week on June 14. Just as a refresher, you have Yuya Uemera. <laughs> I don't know why I always stumble over his name. Yuya Uemera and uh, and Yodatsuji two young lions are on the verge of graduating and New Japan has decided to put them through a gauntlet of matches with some top stars in the company just to run them through the the motions of wrestling with these really important guys because, you know, going on excursions and stuff isn't quite easy in the time of COVID. So this is fantastic stuff. Uh, Started off on the 14 where we hit where uh, Wimera took on Minoru Suzuki, which is a match that Wimera wanted. This is something that he had been asking for for years at this point. now well, he finally—you got to be careful what you wish for. And I love it because you know he comes to the ring, and you know he's looking—you know he's in the ring and he's focused. You know he's the young lion. He doesn't have quite you know the char- any real character personality down. So he's you know being. All right. And then when Kazeninare Suzuki's theme song starts to play, he has this moment where he's like. Like, he keeps his composure, but he takes, like, this deep breath and, you know, this moment, and you capture it, and you look at it, it's like, it, you know, at this moment, for sure, he's, he's saying to himself, he's, doubt crosses his mind. He's like, is this really what I want to do with my life? <laughs> yeah. um, and, I mean, you know, he wanted Suzuki probably because he wanted to prove that he could hang, that he could do it, right? Uh, and suzuki just twists him up throughout the entire match pulls out his arms with wrist locks and arm bars uh wimera gets some strikes in and back suplex a boston crowd but suzuki once he gets out of those moves like yeah you want to do it? and he just lays in one of these fu- an amazingly fucking b- brutal forearm and wimera just drops <laughs> he just drops and I'm thinking the kid's out. I don't know if he's doing a good job at selling. But they sort of get him back up and he gets back up onto his his feet. And he just decks him. He just cracks one across the kid's face. And, bro, and he drops again. And I'm like, he's either doing, he's either he either he has been knocked loopy or he's doing a hell of a sell job. Anyway, but Suzuki won with a with a deep single leg leg crab on this one. I mean, the, the young lions are not gonna win any of that's not the point then on this, then uh, um, and then we had yeah on the same night Hiroshi Tanahashi taking on Yoda Tsuji and this is cool because Tsuji is was Tanahashi's guy he was his corner guy for a lot of matches the big matches so there's really there was really a master student vibe to this match which was really cool and I I, I loved how Tsuji seemed conflicted at the times where he had to go or he chose to go after Tanahashi's legs they're so close you know Kevin Kelly was putting over their relationship you know it's like uh putting over his relationship the relationship backstage and I was like well Suji knows a whole bunch of stuff about Tanahashi that he can use And like, yeah this is great you know and he went at it he did his Mount Suji Move on his legs. He locked in an Indian death lock. He stomped the knees. Like he went at it. But he tapped out when... Um, uh, he, he actually gets out of a cloverleaf attempt. And gets uh, Tanahashi into a gory especial. Which was pretty cool. But Tanahashi eventually gets him into a second cloverleaf. And then he taps. It's good stuff. On the 15th we had... Zack Sabre Jr taking on Umera. Uh and Umera brought his submission game here. But I think it ultimately it was a bad idea. You don't bring your submission game unless you're really really on point with it to a Zack Sabre Jr match. I love this spot early on where Zack is basically wrapping uh wrapping him up and uh and and as he's wrapped up, Umera has access to Zack Sabre Jr's ankle. So Umera starts twisting the ankle and Sabre goes ah you know he's like ah you're and he, and he and he goes like you cheeky bastard and then he twists him up up and over and he's like completely out of the move transitions into something else and I thought that was a lot of fun uh but see the thing that's the thing when umara was bringing the strength everything was okay but Zack Sabre Jr. that's when Zack Sabre Jr. was in trouble but Sabre won by basically sitting on him <laughs> that's a good it was a good match it was fun then we had sushi versus taichi um and you know suji in this match had to deal with Tai Chi stalling and his nonsense you know let's do sumo and all that shit yeah it, this you know this is basically suji learning to deal with a, a dirty player like like taichi right you know because when Sushi got pissed he got pissed clearly you know this was the what happens when you wrestle someone who is who, who is all about the mind games was all about the psychological there were a couple of near falls here in this match don't get me wrong that i thought suji had um he at some point he kicked out of a dangerous t but he it's a super kick for the l it was another fun one it was different it was very very different then on night 16 Yumera de- uh was uh, defeated by hiroshi tanahashi but it's very solid Yumeirah tried uh, a lot of stuff, but Tana wasn't rattled enough to be off his game plan. Another cloverleaf win for Tana. And then you get Suji versus Okada. And Okada was just picking the kid apart. Suji gets some great power offense in. Uh, corner avalanche, a body slam, a senton, Mount Suji, a suplex. A valiant effort from Suji to avoid getting into a tombstone. Like he avoided that like three or four times consecutively, fighting with everything he had, land, trying to landing strikes. Uh, he eventually breaks out, but he eats a dropkick from Okada. And the the end comes when Okada sets him up for a Rainmaker, spins him, but instead of doing following through with the Lariat, he sort of takes him down in some kind of leg takedown and drops Suji on his shoulders, pins him like that, like something, they're like, whoa, where did this come from? Didn't win with the Rainmaker. Didn't win with with the, the money clip. And Okada gets up. He goes like this to the referees. Like, you know, raise my hand. He raises his hand. Okada goes like this to the audience. And he hits the bricks. He doesn't even like tap Suji on the shoulder and say, good job, kid. He's like, I'm good. I'm out of here. Didn't even break a sweat. Suji in, in this match had to do everything in his power to try and stay on top of things. Like the kid worked his ass off and Okada's like, I'm good. And he doesn't stick around. He's like, I'm done here. Hits the bricks. I love it. Saiji poured everything into this match. Couldn't get it done. Okada didn't even break a sweat. You love to see this kind of shit. God, I get excited about that kind of stuff. In ring storytelling not forced down your throat you have to pay attention you have to look at stuff not no eight minute monologues to set it up no monologues in the ring as, you just figure it out because you're a smart person and when you watch wrestling you sh- you should watch wrestling that caters to your intelligence because y'all are smart you know why i know you're smart because you're watching the mr warren hayes show right now live on youtube.com slash mr warren hayes On a Thursday night, like the damn video if you haven't already. Because you're smart. And if you're listening to this on demand, leave a comment. Tell me what makes you smart as a wrestling fan. The good thing about the gauntlet is that it's all laying groundwork for history, right? This is stuff that in 10, even in five years, in three years, whenever these guys, we're gonna go back to these moments. You don't think I'm excited now at this point to have Suji versus Okada again, and Suji being like, you disrespected me back then. And Okada being like, you weren't even worth the effort. I beat you and I didn't even have to take a shower when I was done. You don't think I'm excited for that shit? That's great. This is great, great stuff. A um, couple of other things to come out of the um, the Kazuna Road shows: Lij versus the Dangerous Tickers is what we're building towards. Lij, composed of Tetsuya Naito and um, Sonata, going for the uh, the tag team titles. So that's something that's happening. We also got Taiji Ishimori, who's basically. Basically said that uh, you can uh, win. He can win two championships. He can win the junior tag team championships with El Fantasma, and he also challenged El Desperado for the junior heavyweight uh, title, which is something that would be very cool. So that was that was pretty awesome. Uh, and uh, also we had um Shingo Tagaki, Takagi, Takagi, jeez, Shingo our IWGP uh, world heavyweight champion. He challenged Kota Ibushi on the June 14 show, and he wants the match. He wants a match with Ibushi. Ibushi being Ibushi is like, uh, whenever, whenever I feel like it, he's like, yeah, sure. I'll be fine. As long as I don't lose my way over to the, uh, over to the supermarket, I'll be all right. (laughs) But there was one thing, I think it was after the, the, the June 15th show. Shingo was in the ring with the other LIJ guys. And there was a bit of friction between him and Naito. I don't know if you guys noticed this. You know, Naito seemed a little sore at Shingo. Didn't want to raise his arm in victory, you know. And Shingo was like, whatever, man. Look, I know this isn't the first time that we've speculated on, you know, the the, the destruction of Los Ingobernables, but I know but I mean, this is the, this is a seed that was planted. You know, if if you're looking at it, you're like, why is Naito, why is Naito being a jerk? Well, because it's Naito. But you know, it's his teammate. It's good stuff. Like honestly, the Gauntlet matches are what attract. were are what? they they're they're the. Those are the things that were keeping my attention a lot more. Evan Wright left us a super chat. Thank you very much, Evan. I appreciate it. He says Tsuji doing lucha lucha shit makes me incredibly happy. And yeah. He was uh he was he was fantastic the, doing arm drags and those fantastic like doing drop kicks. The boy, like, he's not a small guy. It was fantastic. And Kevin Kelly did note that he wanted to go to Mexico, right? He did want to push Farther into the Lucha tradition. So hopefully, hopefully if things start opening up, let's see what happens. Uh, Okay. Let's do this here. Just checking out what we should do. You know, there's a... There's a lot of grief being passed around the Roman Reigns stuff, right? Um, there's really a lot of grief regarding the angle, right? And personally, I think that there's a contingent of people of people. I think it's really at a point where it's divi- it's divisive. I think there was a there was a time where everyone was where it was. Um, m- shine more universally in a positive light but i think right now the roman reigns stuff with the cousins i think is a i think it's being a little what's the word i'm looking for uh drawn out and i don't think people are are into it as much by the way i want to say hello to anakin jmt and dgmc good to see you guys um and i think i I think there is some criticism that's valid I think I at the same time I think some people are being overly uh, rough in regards to it because it's not as bad as a lot of people make it out to be I think the problem is twofold when it comes to the Roman Reigns storyline when everything around you is bad and you have something that remotely shines that glimmers and then you're like, "Wow, this is actually tenable. It makes sense. It's good." Well, you can latch on to that. You're like, "Don't, don't take this away from me. This is good. I'm enjoying this." And that's a situation that happens. You know, it's like when all when everything around you is crap, and what you find in the middle of the crap is, um, I don't know, spoiled baloney. Where you're like, you know what? The spoiled baloney isn't that bad compared to the crap. That's <laughs> one thing. But there are no story beats. This is the second point. There are no story beats in this angle, in this story. And I've talked about this in the past. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you again. The problem that WWE has is that it tricks us into believing that it's so, that it's storytelling when sometimes it isn't when you tell a story you usually go from you know point a let's say to point g in your story so you go from point a to point b to point c to point d and so on and so forth you get story beats to get to g but wwe what it does it tricks you into believing that it's going from point a to point b to point c when in reality it's going from point b from point a to point b to point b to point B to point B. Oh, now we go to C, but then we go to point B and B and B and B. And then or, or maybe go back to B, but then we'll stay on C. Ooh, yeah. It tricks us into believing that this is what's happening, right? And I don't understand it. <laughs> like I, I I I really don't understand. Uh I I don't understand how they still manage to do that. Because essentially. For the past four weeks, I'd say, we're at the exact same spot with the Jimmy J, Uso, Roman Reigns triangle that they have going. There hasn't been any real advancements. There's been some some things that were set, creating the tension, the relationships, establishing the complex dynamic that exists between the three and how... You know, establishing how cut in the middle of this Jey Uso really is. And I appreciate that. But there hasn't been any real storyline advancement. We've been treading water in this relationship. Now, that's why I think people are like, this sucks. It's not that it sucks. That they're not telling the story. It's not advancing. It's not progressing. So that sucks. So the performance, oh, I don't want it. My point the point I want to make here. Here's the thing. I would love it if WWE mixed up its formula a bit. Cuz I think one of the things that's killing this angle is that it's that it's not creating any new story beats and it's in a high profile position week after week after week. We spend easily what? 25 to 30 minutes per SmackDown specifically on this show on this uh on this angle right from you know opening promos to backstage segments to matches like there's easily 30 minutes that's devoted to this angle specifically if you're devoting 30 minutes and your story's not going forward what's the point what if one week it was a little more in the background because you're like yeah you know what we can't Our next big story beat has to be just before the pay-per-view. So maybe the week before, we don't don't flaunt it as big, right? Just dial it, scale it back a little. You don't necessarily have to have your champion on front and center every week. And you know what that happens. And then it frees up time to push new stories, different people, put other people into the spotlight because I think a lot of it is fatigue, it's just plain old fatigue but WWE doesn't it doesn't mess around with its formula it's always been the same formula it's like Roman's the champ he's on all the time he's on uh, the ch- It's the same thing with Drew when Drew was champ it's Drew 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 always in these top angles that don't progress every week they just stay where they are there's nothing new. There's not nothing to, to, to chomp down on. I swear, if last week, the Roman and Uso stuff just took a back seat, you could still do a backstage angle. You still do a backstage angle, but instead then we focused maybe more on Big E or whoever else, or Sasha and, Bi- and uh, Bianca, for fuck's sake. Not Sasha, excuse me, Bailey and Bianca. Focus on that. Give more time for other people on the roster. It's just But no. Yeah, that's why that's why then people that, that's why you get commentators like it sucks, it's terrible. It's not that it's terrible. They they they, they don't know how they they, they they don't understand how to pace their stories and give a significant, meaningful advancements in 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 their storytelling and this connects to what i was saying last week if wwe isn't good at wrestling and isn't good at tv production what are they good at those are my thoughts uh anakin jmt and evan wright kind of left me the same type of super chats but i appreciate you both gentlemen Yes, and I did see that. I'll read Anakin's here. He he brought it in first. I'll read his first. Why are Roman and Ray having their match Friday? What is he talking about? Evan Wright says they're doing Roman versus Ray Hell in a Cell, on Friday, on SmackDown. The match that was supposed to be on the pay-per-view, they're doing it on Friday. Mystery to me. Then who, are we getting a story beat then? Is Roman going to be facing uh, Jimmy in Hell in a Cell? I mean, look, the one thing that I'm hoping, this, and I'm touching wood here. I hope that uh that this doesn't mean like that Ray is injured. You know, I hope they're not pulling him out because of um because he's not cleared. That would suck. That would really, really suck. But uh um, I mean, this is WWE, right? This is WWE. The most baffling decisions, right? Why would you give one of your pay-per-view matches in the pay-per-view gimmick on Friday for free? Well, I'll tell you why. Because WWE already has your money, Peacock subscribers. And it already has all that Fox money. Doesn't care. We covered, we talked about this last week. JS Brown, welcome to the chat, sir. Good to see you. Thank you for the super chats, gentlemen, by the way. I'm going to keep the hot trash up there. Um, so Eva Marie may, finally made her long-anticipated debut, right? This is the, this is the thing. Where WWE is like, this is gonna get the ratings. This is this is where we're gonna start scoring big time. This is where we turn things around, we bring Eva Marie back. People are gonna be gonna come back in droves to see her. This is what people want. And she's supposed to fight Naomi and she comes out. But she's accompanied as she's coming out by Piper Niven. The wrestler formerly known as Viper on the British Independent Circuit, and instead of wrestling the match, you you've probably all seen this, but for posterity, I I have to go. I want to go through this. Uh, she she being Eva Marie pronouns, pal. She sends Piper Niven to the ring instead so that Piper can fight her match for her. Piper gets into the ring. They ring the bell. Okay, referee's discretion, but... Christ, I don't even think Rick Knox would do that. <laughs> Rick Knox, greatest running gag of the Mr. Warren Hayes show Discord server. Join. Join. And the link is in the description. Anyway, Piper squashes um, Naomi like in a minute. And then they go to announce the winner. And then Eva Marie says, And the winner is me, Eva Marie. And then Piper comes out and she's happy and she's like, Yay! And she hugs her. And Eva Marie is like, mm. Now I'm going to tell you what I've been told what I've heard, I should say. Eva Marie is coming back, not in a wrestling position. She's coming back as a mentor. That, that's her gimmick. That's her thing. She's coming back to mentor a wrestler into becoming a better pro. Whatever. Like I, clearly, the, the position here is that she's going to use Piper Niven to come across say, using Piper Niven saying that oh I'll you know I'll help you improve and be a better person better athlete better whatever that's gonna be that that's the thing that they have that they that they were they have lined up for us or from my what my understanding is <laughs> The now I give him a whatever okay that's the thing And Piper Niven comes to the ring and commentary is acting. They're saying, who is this woman? We don't know who she is. And I'm like, mother. I'm trying not to get demonetized. The the problem. Viper, Piper Niven is a 12 year veteran of the ring. She's been doing this for 12 years, since 2009. She's a staple of the British independence circuit. She's a cornerstone of NXT UK's women division ever since Rhea and Tony left. So, I can get behind WWE fans not knowing who she is because WWE fans, in general, are not... Uh, privy to the indie scene they have their WWE bubble and they're happy with that that's okay so I can appreciate that they don't you know they, they they don't make any relations right but for commentary to not even acknowledge that this woman was a part of the company on another brand that friends and family is uh, insulting to your intelligence as a viewer That that's just as simple Okay? It's just really, really that simple. I was telling you just previously, just a couple of minutes ago, you should watch wrestling, you should enjoy wrestling that treats you like an intelligent human being. This makes fun of your smarts. Because even if you find out later that she was in NXT, you can be like, well, why didn't they just keep her name? And This is what's fascinating to me. Is that the... It's the same thing with NXT when they have wrestlers there and they get them over using a certain gimmick and a certain way of doing things and they go up on main and they trash that and they do something else. I don't understand that. Who is this woman? Are you fucking kidding me? And no, no, this is not a proper way. And... Not gonna lie, there's a lot of, there's a lot of stuff that I, I love women's wrestling. Piper Niven's career is one that I'm familiar with. And, and I enjoy the fact that, that she's on main and that she's probably gonna make some money and good for her, right? Good for her. But it also breaks my heart because she shouldn't be in reset mode. It's the same thing, like, if they had taken Orange Cassidy, brought him on to AEW and be like, "Your name now is Steve Steve Bottleneck, and you're a greaser, and you have a Thunderbird, and you're gonna drive to the ring in your Thunderbird, Steve Bottleneck," and he's not like, it doesn't make sense, and especially since he was working in their company, it doesn't make sense. And I tweeted it out. I just said, this is no way to start off a 12-year veteran's career on Main. It doesn't... That just doesn't work. Not even mentioning who she is. Not even talking about her pedigree, her background. Even if it is just NXT UK. That's not... It's not cool. It's not. Then I get people in my mentions saying, Well, she just squashed a former SmackDown champion in Naomi. I don't think you can get a better champion. I don't think you get a better debut than that. Hang on a second. Now... A, a, a wise man once said, despite the fact that the wise man often gets into situations where he revisits history, a wise, this wise man once said, context this king. Here's the context. If Naomi just came off of a successful championship run, maybe, maybe I'd be like, yeah, you know what? This actually was pretty cool. But Naomi's stock has been down since 2019 and despite the fact that I love Naomi and I think she's a great athlete, you are lying to yourself. If you think it's anything but. And this is not on Naomi. It's not on her talent. It's on how she's been booked. It's been how she's been presented. You may like her. I like her. But she's not perceived as a star. You know who else beat Naomi in record time in like under two minutes? Just a couple of months ago. Uh, A couple of weeks ago. Nia Jax. A couple of months ago. Lacey Evans. Last year, Dana Brooke beat Naomi in a minute and 40 seconds. So there's no prestige attached to this because they're not presenting Naomi as a champion or a threat. They, put, they could have put so many other women. They could have brought someone up from NXT, from the PC to just stand there and take it. And that would have been oh, at least a lo- something credible. We're like, okay, she's getting a squash match. But it's, this isn't better. Because Naomi's not perceived as a threat. It's ridiculous. I understand why they're doing it. They're giving her another character. I love people who try to explain to me. Well, this is how it works. This is how wrestling works. I understand how they do it. That does why they do it. I understand how they do it. Doesn't mean I get to like it. Doesn't mean I think it's good. Doesn't mean it's, it's just because I understand something doesn't mean that I enjoy it. Doesn't mean I think it's a good idea. I understand why people rob banks. Doesn't mean I approve of it. Anyway. Dynamite last Friday was pretty good too. It was a good show. Started off uh again with another really strong match. Christian Cage and Angelico and Angelico, I was gonna call him Angelico like I'm some kind of some kind of weirdo. Um I uh I I, I like this match a lot. Angelico working the arm, the shoulder, you know, getting uh getting Christian Cage all ready for the Navarro death roll. But uh Cage had a great showing. Ended it with the kill switch. He's really good. He's really good. He being uh, Christian. But he's, um, he's really good. And these are the matches I'm looking forward to. Christian with the new guys. With people he hasn't wrestled before. I'm telling you. The Matt Hardy feud ain't doing it for me. It's not, it's not working for me, pal. Again, you know, he does the twist of fate. And I'm like, I don't care. I really, really, really don't care about this. And I feel like it's, I feel like we're missing an opportunity for Christian Cage to be doing something. Give me a feud with Angelico. Have him feud with uh, TH2, which is weird. What are they going to do with TH2? Like, what are they doing with Jack Evans, Right. This is, this is what's interesting to me. Because I feel like there's something up with Jack Evans. But this is just a gut feeling. There's no... It's purely speculation, right? Jack Evans, he came out and he went back. Went backstage again. And on the graphic that they had for the match, they had Angelico with Matt Hardy in the background. And usually, you know, when they do those graphics, AEW, when they do the graphics for social media... They have, uh, you know, they have, let, let's say if the person's in a tag team, they'll have the singles guy and they'll have his partner in the background. Right? Doesn't it feel like they're phasing Jack Evans out a little bit? feels like it to me. But Christian, Christian Cage continues to, continues to show that he's very, very much Relevant in the uh in the 2021 wrestling uh arena. I'm i st- I'm still a little surprised how good he is. Oh, well, look at that, Anakin JMT lift us a super chat. Thank you very much, Anakin. Going back to when we were talking about WWE, he says, forget Corbin, best heel in the business. Eva Marie. We're gonna have to do something about these troll. Super chats. <laughs> I'm really excited for her to start cutting live promos again. I'm not going to lie. I'm really looking forward to her in front of a live audience cutting another promo, like cutting a live promo. I am stoked for that. <laughs> Um, all right, so there was a thing with the limousine between the inner circle and the pinnacle, right? And I'm, I gotta change the, my cool beans here. I, I, I it's all too sports entertaining, you know what? The, the limousine. And then when they came out with the with the water gun, the water truck, and and it's like I feel like the pinnacle is kind of losing its luster, and I think it's because the inner circle and I don't know who's in control of of. of who's producing these segments, whose input is going into here, but I feel that anything involved with the inner circle, even still now, is always, it's always a little too much. And there's, there's a dissonance that exists now with the pinnacle versus when they started. I will die on this hill that the inner circle came in with one of the strongest debuts of a stable slash group in years. They come in, you think that MJF is screwed because the the inner circle figured him out, but no, all these dudes appear, and they beat the shit out of the inner circle. Uh, There's blading, there's handcuffs, there's guys being thrown off stages fantastic, and it's stopped, I documented it, I marked out, I thought it was great, I still think it's great, it's a, it was fantastic heat, that carried right into the blood and guts match, where I was like, this is fantastic, they get, they stand face to face with each other, you got guys saying, I'm gonna kill you, kiss your kids goodbye, I'm going to kill you in this match, I'm like, yes, And they're all bleeding on top of each other in the match. It's fantastic. And then water guns. And then the stadium stampede match, which I didn't like. And and now the limousine shit. I'm like, but this, the pinnacle is lost. It dropped its heat. And I don't think that the inner circle is really gaining anything because it's more shenanigans. They've been leaning too much into overextended promos and 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 cutesy stuff, but maybe now that they're breaking the feud up into individual matches, singles matches, tag team matches, maybe there'll be a better focus moving forward. Because I, this is not the this this pinnacle here is not the pinnacle that I got excited for. And I thought that they that they were going to ru- to run roughshod over the entire over the entire uh, division over the the entire roster, excuse me. But as long I feel like as long as the inner circle insists on doing the more sports entertaining stuff and the comedy, the pinnacle is going to suffer because the pinnacle is not made up of guys who are supposed to be jokers. These guys are supposed to be serious. They're supposed to be. NJF is the exception here But none of them are Considered to be Sports entertainers These are supposed to be the real deal Supposed to be guys who are out there Carrying old traditions And frankly, you know Since since the um, Like they need to get their heat back In a major way And it has to be vile and violent and it has to be brutal and that has to be maintained then afterwards and we gotta cut and, and i really think we should cut down on the long promos because then we're, we might get into a roman reign situation where it's like man another 10 minute pinnacle inner circle promo thing a press conference a, a war room discussion it's like why is it always these gimmicks week after week Have them fight. Have them wrestle. That's the best way to tell stories. It really, really is. I got to talk about Miro's heat. Miro's heat. Wait, wait, wait. That's not hot trash. What am I doing? It's more like the beans that are cool. Miro. His match with Evil Uno for the TNT title. Fantastic stuff. I thought it was great. I I I had a lot of fun. I thought it was good. And the build up to it. It was so perfect for the conclusion. And, that, and I, I was watching this with Kristen, right? You know, and they do the hype videos and it's like Brody Lee and Evil Uno's dedicating this for Brody and, and fucking minus 1 is out, you know. And I like the I I love the Dark Order. They're 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 my they're my geeks. I love them. So Evil Uno's doing the match and he he's having a hard time and then the entire inner circle come out to support him. And I'm like, oh, this is so good. And the kid is there too. And they're fighting the, and then Miro leans into the game over and Jesus does he lean over, lean into it. And Uno taps and Kristen go, goes, damn it, why did he win? The inner circle where they're supporting him. And and, and and at first I was, I, and I was into it at some point. I was believing the near falls. And I was like, Iuluno's got this. He's got to win it. He's going to do it for Brody. Like I was, yeah, I, I was into it until the ending hit. And I was like, this is the perfect ending. It could not have been anything else. It could not have been anything outside of Miro winning this in front of the entire inner circle as they're, dedicating the match to Brody Lee his kid is there and Miro goes goes like this to the kid and I'm like this is this is it this is perfect perfect heat you get the feel-good moment you have the guys the team rallying around their dude you can do it hang in there you're almost there but he can't and the kid is there the kid who lost his dad is there, and Miro's—he does one of these, and like, ah, oh, everything is wrong, and this is not a happy ending, and it is perfect. Everyone who was bitching on AEW didn't know what to do with Miro. Look at what they're doing now. He's a monster, and he's callous, and he doesn't give a shit. Doesn't give a shit. I don't know what. I don't know. Why I did an H sound. He didn't give a shit. It's fantastic. And the thing here, this is something, AEW is a a weird company sometimes when it comes to getting heat. Because sometimes, I'd say oftentimes, they're able to create such fantastic heat for guys and gals that you're like, this is amazing stuff. You know, like the, like the Pinnacle, for instance, which was great, you know. Anthony Agogo. Stuff that they're able, they're just so naturally. You're just like, this is heat, this is it. This is what heat in wrestling is. Miro, just as so sweet. But then, you flip that around, and you, you do a compare and contrast with how great the Miro heat is, but then look at the Cody QT feud the Nightmare Family and Factory feud. Like they like they're running Cody and QT again in a strap match. What in two weeks or next week? Not this Friday. Next Friday. And look at the tepid reaction that it's getting from 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 fans from the from people online. Like okay, do you think it may be because? Cody ran through the entire factory, and they're not seen as threats. Hell, even his brother ran through a member of the factory. Dustin defeated Nick Camerato, so it's like, I don't know. Maybe what if they hadn't? What if Cody? What if Cody hadn't defeated everyone? What if you know? What if? What if the? What if the factory guys weren't perceived now as losers? Maybe this strap match would feel a little more interesting. Cause right now it feels a little tacked on. It feels a little forced to me. It feels a little. It doesn't it doesn't feel natural, doesn't feel like a natural progression to me. Because Cody has all the heat. Cody's defeated everyone. Defe- his big deal was a go-go, and he he defeated a go-go. It's not a problem. And don't get me wrong here. I am not talking about. I am definitely not talking about Cody Rhodes putting himself over other people all the time. That's not what I'm trying to say. I'm looking at this from a heat perspective, from you believing that QT Marshall has a chance against Cody Rhodes, which quite frankly, if you're looking at it objectively, he don't, he doesn't, he nada, he's gonna lose. But he probably won't. Well, then again, he probably will because I was convinced that a was going to win the match at a double or nothing because to me that's what made the most sense if you splinter off these young guys to create heat and attention for these guys and make them feel important you have them win the big matches you have them defeat the good guys there's no heat here there's no heat in this feud because Cody's been winning all the matches Dustin's been winning his matches there's no heat there's no heat And the one match where QT wins the tag team match last week, the outside interference, Aaron Solo, you remember that? And that was a little annoying. (laughs) So it's it's strange because like at some point, they really know how to generate heat. Good old-fashioned heat. I hated Miro so much at the end of the match. But it felt so right to hate him at the same time. You know what I mean? Like it was perfect. Now on the flip side, you like, "Yeah." Uh... Anyway, hope I hope Miro has a long reign as TNT champion because I'm digging it, digging it big time. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> And uh, really quickly, uh, Layla Hirsch had her match against. Uh, I, I, and I, I do have to underscore this because she had her match with with um, with um, with Nyla Rose, and she looked very very good. And she's already become she's already become a crisper, more confident wrestler than when she started a couple of months ago. And I I think this was her best match. Layla was her best match since joining uh, the AEW roster, and I love the idea of this match too. steaks you know, this was for the number one contendership, and I, basic stuff, but you like it. No hamburgers to throw around, you know, no bullshit. Just like we, these two women have to have a match because. Rankings are important. This will affect the rankings. And who's going to get the next shot at Britt Baker. But Layla looked so good in this match. She's really, really come a long, long way. Since just a couple of months ago. I think it's great. I'm excited to see what they do next with her. She, she always had the promise, but... Now I I already feel like she's coalescing into a in, into a legitimately great competitor, which we knew she well. We knew she had it in her. Not a big surprise, but it's good to see it so soon. Well, then that'll wrap up. But on that note, we'll wrap up the weekly wrestling inspection. How about that? Hey, before we call it a week, or a night anyway, a couple of reminders if you don't mind. Uh, Leave a like on the video. If you're watching this video on demand, leave a comment. Ask a question. Leave a thought. Always appreciate it. And if you want to become a member of the Mr. Warren Hayes Show, come and join us. After we're done, we're going to be talking about the King of the Ring rumors. And that's what I'm going to talk about right here. I'm gonna t- just to lead us into it there's been rumors going around that WWE wants to <clears throat> lean into more gimmick shows moving forward you know we know the draft is coming but they apparently want to bring back Raw Roulette <laughs> remember that uh, they want to and they want to bring back apparently King of the Ring as well there's all rumors at this point. Nothing's been uh, conv- uh, not convinced, not confirmed or convinced. Last time there was a King of the Ring tournament was in 2019. Baron Corbin won the tournament. And I know a lot of people, I myself included, are sick and tired of the King Corbin thing because it's played out. It's kind of boring. It's not fun anymore. But... I will also say, more importantly, is that th- that King of the Ring tournament, 2019, really, really was a showcase for Baron Corbin and his wrestling skill. I remember it distinctly going on post shows when back, back back in the day and just raving about how great he was. Because he really, really was great from top to bottom. Corbin was putting on uh, qualifier, uh, not qualifiers, but uh, uh, throughout the tournament. He was putting on great matches. And people were stunned. We were all stunned because we were all kind of like, well, he's, mm, he's so-so. But he wasn't so-so, he was great. Everything he was doing in the in that tournament was spectacular. He He was the guy who wrestled the entire tournament to win. People got buys. Uh, uh, there was some shenanigans with a three-way that he got wrapped up into, and and I and I remember being like, "Why is Baron Corbin? Why does he have to be in this three-way match? This triple threat doesn't make any sense." He's okay. WWE got in its own way, whatever. But I'm excited at the idea of King of the Ring, and I just recently rewatched King of the Ring '93. It's a great one too. So I'm like, why? Okay, so where are we right now? If we were to start a King of the Ring tournament next, uh, just uh, next week, who who should be in it? Like if we, and if we're basing our our, our thoughts on uh, the setup that um, that WWE had last year, which was Uh, one bracket that was made up of Raw contenders, the other one of SmackDown. And basically the finals were Raw versus SmackDown. Who who would you put in there? Who would I put in there? And I put some, and I thought about it, looked over the rosters. Here's what I'd do. On the Raw side, I'd put in Mansoor, Damian Priest, Cedric Alexander, Mustafa Ali, Keith Lee, T-Bar, John Morrison, and of course, Xavier Woods. A couple of reasons. I think you put guys in here like Mansoor. You put a guy like Mansoor and, you know, put him in a first match with a guy like Cedric Alexander or Mustafa Ali and let the boy shine. He's really, really good. A tournament like this should always, it should do two things, right? It should elevate a it should elevate a career should elevate someone plus uh it should uh it should help uh draw attention to some new younger up and coming stars that's what i think it should do that's what a good tournament does now these are single eliminations it's not like a round robin but you know you give Mansoor a good first round match against a guy who can help him shine like alexander like mustafa Ali, I think you get something really special here. Bring back Keith Lee for this. I really think you bring back Keith Lee specifically for this. And you have him win. You have him go to the semifinals or the Raw finals anyway. Whatever you want to call them. And you have him go the whole way. Reestablish him as a powerhouse. As a star. As a guy that's unstoppable. Limitless, as he likes to say. But who does he face in the finals? Who does he get into the finals? Xavier Woods, of course. Of course. King of the Ring 2021, if it happens, cannot happen if Xavier Woods is not involved. And I think we all agree on this. It cannot happen. If Xavier Woods is not a competitor in here, it's not, it will not be legit. It will not be legitimate in the eyes of the fans. (laughs) So my finals here would have on the raw side would be Xavier Woods versus Keith Lee. And you love a good underdog story, don't you? Well, you have one right here. Keith Lee, who's been mowing down the competition. Xavier Woods, who's been fighting through guys, uh, putting his his best performances as he can, just doing wrestling as best he can, meets Keith Lee, insurmountable odds, right? You're like, Keith Lee just mowed down through everyone. Poor Xavier Woods. But Woodsy manages to pull off a win. A big time win. And you gotta love that. That's the kind of thing you love to see. On the SmackDown side, I go with, well, you have to put Baron Corbin in, right? You put Dominic Mysterio, you put in Dolph. You put in Rick Boogs. I think that could be fun. Sami Zayn, Chad Gable, Montez Ford, because he already has a crown and whatnot. And you know, I you, you can throw in some tag team guys in there. Jay Uso, representing the table in there. Shinsuke Nakamura too. here i think that you do go to a final between baron corbin and shinsuke nakamura i think they've built to it it's a good mid-card feud and it should have its culmination in the smackdown finals i think that for these semifinals, smackdown finals whatever you want to call them i think it should wrap up nice and, and and simply with these two guys here and i think shinsuke ultimately wins this one I think this is how you go. Now, I know WWE likes to have baby faces versus heels and be very, very down the road. So I wouldn't even be mad if Baron Corbin wins it and ends up fighting Xavier Woods. I think it'd be a, I think the heat would be a lot more fun. I think it would be a lot more electric from an audience point of view to have Shinsuke versus Woods because they're two guys that the audience loves. Whereas Baron Corbin is Baron Corbin. But, considering that my winner, considering who my winner is, I would love to see Baron Corbin lose in the finals to Xavier Woods. The guy who's had the crown for two years and was just obnoxious with it and annoying, loses it fair and square to Xavier Woods. Because that's the other thing. If you're gonna put Woodsy in this, Woodsy has to win, right? He absolutely has to win. He cannot not. He cannot not win, <laughs> right? Um, that would be. That's how I'd do it. That th- those would be the people I'd put in there, you know. And maybe like T Bar. Uh, you know, Dominic Mysterio, well, some people have to be knocked out in the first round, right? You have to knock, you, there's got to be guys in there just to be knocked out in the first round. Like, you could go, you could say Mustafa Ali is there to be knocked out in the first round, or Cedric, you know, on the raw side. I think there's nothing wrong with Rick Boogs taking an L out the gate, or Chad Gable. I think that's all the, the, Dominic. I think those are all people that can take L's very easily. You have to have some of that. You really do. You know, can not not everyone can be a superstar. But that's the thing. That's how but that's how I'd set it up. But I I I I really don't see if they're doing King of the Ring this year. I don't see anyone else than Xavier Woods pulling off a big big win it's going to be the sentimental win it's going to be the one everyone wants let's just do it let's just, let the fans go home happy vince <laughs> vince let woodsy win that's what we want and i kind of feel i feel they're they're setting they're setting the seeds for that with the mvp you know talking with kofi kingston on raw And saying your boy here, you know, he's, you know, he's holding you back. And, you know, maybe Woods is like, look, I can do the singles thing too. E is off doing it. I can do it too. Let me go win king of the ring. Like, it's all things that could connect. Maybe they're doing long term. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Well, on that note, folks, we're going to wrap it up. For this week's edition of the Mr. Warren Hayes Show. I want to thank everyone for joining me live tonight on YouTube.com slash Mr. Warren Hayes. Uh, otherwise, I'm, but equally generous thanks to everyone who's listening on their own uh, on demand here on YouTube or on their favorite podcast app. Thank you all so very much. Remember, Saturday morning, 11 a.m., come and join me for and uh, Chino as we talk about Hell in a Cell predictions. It's going to be a good time. Especially since we have one last match to talk about, apparently. (laughs) But please do join us. It'll be a lot of fun. And I want to thank everyone for joining me this evening. Have a great weekend. See you soon. See you next time.